0: Welcome, guys, to the Gridiron Gurus. I'm your host, Keith. I'm joined by the Coach King, and I'm also joined by Austin. And this week we're going to be welcoming a, a special guest. Um, he is KTG, uh, Caleb the Great. He's got a, you know some streaming stuff going on. He's also starting a new job at Georgia, and I'm going to let him take over from right here. First of all, I'd like to say thank you interested in uh, getting to talk to you guys about this game number one versus number two AP wise I know the college football playoffs about to come out soon but uh, yeah thank y'all for having me my name's KTG also known as Caleb the Great as he says I you know I'm doing some riding and stuff for the University
1: of Georgia and that's that's fun you know I've been doing it for a couple of years finally getting over that hump, winning the national championship just made the job even sweeter. And uh, that's a little bit of background with that. I do some I do some podcasts, and I do some writing, and a little bit of insider work. And then on the other hand, this is how me and Coach King met each other uh, through streaming. You can find me on Facebook, gaming.com, backslash KTG13TV.
2: Right now, I'm currently playing Madden on there, but we talk a lot of college sports. But uh, yeah, that's, about, that's about all they need to know about old KTG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually... Uh after Georgia won the natty, um, me and, and, and Caleb, we, KTG, we, uh, talked, um, he had found out we had the, the podcast and, um, I'd found out about what he did for, you know, uh, a career. And we had talked about having him come on the show, um, and, and, and kind of give his, his fan input, uh, to the, the natty and just didn't have, you know, it didn't work out, it didn't happen. So I'm glad that he, we have him on here now. And, um, Caleb man, thank you for, for coming on here. Uh, what an exciting week of college football we have in front of us. Um, obviously this game, but there's a lot of good games on the slate. Yes, yeah, this, this gut Check Saturday is what I'm calling it. Um, you, you got the West and the West and the East on both sides of the SEC that could get pretty much
1: um what's the word I'm looking for? Pretty much established after this weekend. I mean you both teams that win the game Saturday on the west end, the east side will be in the driver's seat to go to Atlanta. So, I mean, a lot of national implications, a lot of divisional implications. So, it's it's going to be fun, man. I can't wait for Saturday. I'm gonna I'm gonna wake up and jumping jumping out of the gym, man. So, I'm sorry, I'm just excited. I love football. You know
2: that. I agree. Well, to to repeat the quote from Brian Kelly that we I think Austin quoted last week. You know, October was for pretenders and November's for contenders. So. Yeah, <laughs> I'm probably going to be using that until they actually win something. But
3: well, when I when I quoted that, it wasn't it wasn't a good thing. I was making fun of him. But yeah, I mean, I mean
0: it's true. It's true. I mean, like you remember last year, throughout um throughout this part, it's like it's like Georgia was where Tennessee's at this year. Georgia was last year. We were the darlings, and then you looked up and we get smacked in December. By Alabama, and it just all that little, you know, it
2: all went away. And then we just crept back in and ended up winning it all. That's where Tennessee's at right now. Y'all are the national darlings. What happens if y'all lose Saturday? We see. I mean, I'm, you know how the media is. I mean, we're, we're media right now, so. Brian Kelly's riding away. <laughs> Yeah. Are you are you asking, like, when you say what happens if we lose Saturday, are you asking, like, as as a fan perspective, are you asking, like, what happens to the season if we lose Saturday? What do you mean? Specify a little saying, more. i
1: what, what happens in the media's eyes because, I mean, obviously win or lose for Tennessee, the season's a success. I know y'all want to win the Natty. Yeah. Y'all want to win win this game, go to Atlanta. But, I mean, what, what happens in the media's eyes, y'all are going to – you know what?
2: What what? the fan perspective. What, what do y'all think is gonna be? From in my, I'm gonna let you guys talk, but I'm gonna take my fan perspective. I'm gonna to look at this from both both sides, both angles. My fan perspective is that you know we've already, in my opinion, exceeded expectation. Um, you know we were seven and six last season. Uh, eight eight and five. If you ask me, because we we won that Purdue game, and I'll take yeah. that to my grave. Um. But you know, going from seven and six to sitting at you know current eight and0, I think that he's already out, out uh, exceeded expectation, beaten Alabama, beating LSU in Death Valley. Um, you know, I think that he's already went leaps and bounds above what every Tennessee fan hoped to see this season. He already the team looks better, they look improved, and, and that's all you can ask for. the The analyst side or the media side of me, I still say, take my Tennessee hat off for a minute and just look at the resume that Tennessee has built. Um, I think that the resume speaks for itself, even in a loss to Georgia. Now, granted, you know, if, if Georgia blows Tennessee out Saturday, I think there's a difference. But if, if it's a top ball game, if it's a good game like the Bama game, Tennessee loses a close one, you know, by a field goal, touchdown, you know, um, even a 10-point even a ball game, um, I think that – tennessee still has such a good resume um i think that they're right there on the outside looking into the playoff it all depends i mean a lot of things have to go their way because there's a lot of good teams right now and a lot of good resumes out there as well but i think that their resume is so good and so separated from the rest of the country um that granted you know even if they don't make playoff they're they're a new year six bowl in my opinion even with the loss to Georgia on Saturday, because they're not losing to—nah, I'm a knock on wood saying this—they're not losing to South Carolina, they're not losing to Mizzou, they're not losing to Vandy. So, they lose to Georgia, they still finish eleven and one. That to me, that's a New your sixth bowl at worst. But I'm gonna let you guys give your input on that. What you th- your thoughts are?
3: Well, I, I said this from kind of get go. I think if if Tennessee loses this by. Anything less than fourteen to seventeen points, you still have a realistic shot at sneaking into a playoff. Now obviously, you know, you win this and you're you're pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot. Granted, you don't lose a game you shouldn't at the end of the season. But if we if we lose this game, and I don't think we're going to, but if we lose this game by fourteen to seventeen points, you're gonna you're gonna rely a lot on a TCU, on a Clemson, on teams in other conferences, part of the Pac-12 champion. You're going to rely a lot on other teams across the country to lose games for you, but I think you still realistically have a shot at making a college football playoff. Even at that, if you told me last year or when Heifel got hired that we were in a Cotton Bowl or, uh, I mean, a big-time New Year's Six Bowl in year two, with our only loss to to Georgia. <laughs> like give me give me all the money. Like I would have never imagined that. And so I guess to, to talk to your point at a, at a fan's perspective like like whatever, you know, if we lose if we lose Saturday it is what it is. Um <coughs> we'll we'll go into a New Year's Six Bowl and and, and count our cards. and hopefully reap the benefits in the recruiting side of things from a season we just pulled off. Um, from an analyst side though I think I think even if Tennessee gets blown out Saturday, like they they've shown what they're capable of against very high quality competition and so it, it would take a really lopsided ball game Saturday for me to feel differently about what Tennessee's capable of.
2: I agree. I, me, me personally, I think that the only thing that changes, like the only thing that I think really tarnishes the resume, and that again, taking my Tennessee fandom out of it, the thing that I think tarnishes the resume is if Georgia does to Tennessee what they did to Florida a week ago, and I just don't see that happening. I'm not saying I'm not saying that. Well, even at that, I don't they, see Georgia play. I think Georgia's I mean, I think Georgia's gonna play well. I mean, I don't think that they're going to lay an egg. I think it's going to be a great ball game. I feel like though it's like a one possession, two possession ball game at worst. It, but that's just that's my thoughts
3: on the game. Well um, And really, really quickly, great football teams continually get better as the season goes on. This Tennessee defense, statistically, is absolutely terrible. But for this team and the, the offense that they're playing with, they're perfect. They're a bend, they're a bend but don't break defense. They get turnovers, they get pressure. Granted, they're aggressive because they have to be. So you're going to get you're going to get beat a lot, and that's that's where the the, the terrible you know statistical side thing comes. But you look at Saturday and listen, I. I've all season. I've not been. I think Kentucky is a middle of the pack SEC team. They're they're good. They're not great. They're not bad. Will Levis is overrated. But that Kentucky defense. I mean that Tennessee defense Saturday against Kentucky made them look like a middle school football team. Yeah. Well, I mean Will Levis didn't throw for a hundred yards. Threw three picks. And some of those picks were really like. I mean. Bad decisions, yes, but some of those picks were really good ball skills by a DB mm-hmm. group that's been just crapped on all season.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Danico Slaughter, where the heck did he come from? I mean, so, I mean, I think if this defense can continually get better, they don't have to be great, but if they, if they just do the little things good and do what they need to do and just get off the field three or four times a game, I don't think we have like a legitimate shot at anybody. So, I would agree with that. Um,
2: Caleb, you got, any, you got any thoughts on that? On what either one of us just said right there? I mean, the only the only
1: thing is, and, and I'm not taking anything away from Tennessee in the Kentucky game. I actually watched it last night. I didn't get a chance. I ain't gonna lie. I'm a big fighting fan. I was watching Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva Saturday night. I had no interest in the Kentucky and Tennessee game that night. <laughs> Yesterday, so this is this is what I saw from that game. My takeaway is the only thing I will say that you know I, I think the holding Tennessee to six was a little overblown, and this is why. In the first couple of drives, Tennessee ran the ball down y'all's throat. That's a fact. They were, they powered their way down the, down the field until y'all got the um. It was it was that play where Levis threw a little little hitch route. The Kentucky dude caught it, turned around, and got blasted. And y'all caught the ball off the deflection. That turned the whole game the around. The hit by Slaughter. So
2: then, huh? The what? Oh, sorry. I was saying the hit by Danico Slaughter. Sorry. I don't know who he got hit by.
1: Yeah. he got hit by Freight Train. He don't yeah. So either way. He don't know who he got hit by either. <laughs> Anyways, so then... Whatever happened, I don't remember what happened between then and there. I know y'all went up 20 to six, and then they y'all almost bought the punt. I don't know if he got us. I couldn't tell because they didn't show enough angles. Looked like he bought the punt, maybe not right before the half. Y'all went up 27 to six. Then y'all got Kentucky, where they had to throw the ball. Kentucky can't throw the ball. They ain't they ain't built like that. So uh, nothing nothing away from Tennessee, but if, there were some things that
3: Kentucky did early in that game that made me feel good about what Georgia could potentially do to Tennessee. Well, and Keith ain't got to talk yet, but I'll say to that point, though, Tennessee makes a lot of teams do a lot of things they don't want to do. LSU didn't want to go for it five times on fourth down. Florida didn't want to go for it uh, 15 times on fourth down. And Kentucky had one solid drive. They played their brand of football. Well, I would say two. One solid drive after we punched them in the mouth. Came all the way down the field, played their brand of football, ran the ball, ran play action, did their thing, they scored. And they had another solid drive that you're talking about where they drove down the field right before halftime. But I mean other other than that, that was the most lopsided game like I've seen all season from, from Tennessee's part. Um I, I think legit Tennessee's front seven, they're not individually that great. Granted, Byron Young's pretty good. Tyler Barron, they're pretty good. But together as a group, that front seven is aggressive, and they're not going to let you run the ball on them. Like, we will send eight people before before we let you run the ball on us. And I think I think that's what Tennessee's really good. At. Like they they're gonna they're gonna stand up, say, throw it over us. If you can do it, whatever, we'll just go score on you on the offensive side. But I think Tennessee's done a really good job all season of making teams do a lot of things that they really don't necessarily want to. And I think it all plays back into just Heifel's offense. Like it does so many things that doesn't show up on the score sheet. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, get what you're I, mean, I understand exactly what you're saying with all the games you brought up. Yeah, I just said. I saw at the beginning of the game before it got ugly, ugly, where I felt like Kentucky showed some things I thought Georgia could do well. But no, I still think that's why I was saying I ain't taking anything to Tennessee. I still think they played really good and I mean I thought they manhandled Kentucky after that. It's just from just what I saw in the first couple of first couple of um drives. That's that's
2: why I felt, you know, a little good about the game. I mean I ain't given no predictions yet. I don't know who's gonna win yet, but um yeah, it's just I mean there's there's things I saw that Tennessee's gonna do well too and we'll get to that on to when we talk about that more. I know Keith wants to talk too, but or whoever it is wants to talk but <laughs> um yeah. I, I see some things watching film both ends could exploit. Ah, Keith, you're up.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna go back to the original. What he was asking, you know, about the how the media views it. I'm gonna be, look at it like this: If Tennessee is in the game, if, if Georgia wins, and like we talked about, ten point game, and Georgia wins, if that if that's how it plays out, Tennessee will probably drop to about five, maybe six, depending on how the rest of everything shakes out. You know, because we got we got a game this weekend with uh, Notre Dame and Clemson. And that game is going to have big implications on on how this goes. Uh, the LSU-Alabama game, even if Alabama wins that, but it's close, I don't see, see Tennessee dropping below them. So as long as Tennessee is close in the game, as far as the national media is concerned, I don't think we drop that far. Now, if it's a blowout, it's a whole different story. But here's the, here's what I want to talk about is just Tennessee fandom. Tennessee fans have been just desperate to be in the conversation. Desperate to be ranked in the top 10, much less the top 25, and much, much less than where we're at right now. You know, Austin said if, you know, you had told me when Hypo got hired that we would be pushing for a New 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 Year's Six Bowl in year two, I would have bet every every dollar that I had against that. I wouldn't have thought that was possible, but now we're here. So as a Tennessee fan, I'm just happy to be in the conversation. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be on the same level as a Georgia, as an Alabama, because Kirby Smart's built a great program. Nick Saban's done what he's done at Alabama. So to be in the conversation as a fan, win or loss, I'm proud of this team because of what they've done so far, the resume they've built to this point. And, you know, and, and Austin said it. The defense has gotten progressively better through as the years went on. Offensively, we've had guys step up that we needed to in certain situations. Tillman goes down. Ramey Keaton has stepped up. Squirrel White has stepped up. Brew McCoy has became a man. Jalen Hyatt has done enough to make him put him in the conversation for best receiver in the nation. So, as a Tennessee fan goes, it doesn't matter if we get blown out by twenty eight. I'm proud of what they what this team has done and the relationships that Heupel has made with his kids and saying, you know, you're you're supposed to be here.
2: The m- piggybacking real really quick off what you said about Jalen Hyatt. I don't think we've given him enough credit. We don't really talk a a whole lot about Tennessee. We try to be you know unbiased on here. Um, But dude Jalen Hyatt man before Tillman went down Jalen Hyatt was the sidekick. He was Robin and he has exploded into arguably one of the best if not the best receiver in the entire country. Oh yeah. Like now people are you know putting him in Heisman conversations. And I'll be I,
3: honest. I don't know if he was even considered the sidekick at that point. No, I would consider he's. Yeah, like I mean, Matt Tillman, Dog, Tillman goes down against Pittsburgh. We're we're really unsure of what Hyatt's it, capable of because last season he's a guy that you really couldn't rely on. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I would say honestly, Brew McCoy was probably the number two guy.
2: Yeah. Right. Honestly, you probably are right with that. But like, I, I get you know. Either way, he was he was the backseat driver and here he is leading you know leading the charge now he's driving the bus um i just i guess a complete flip of the script um Definitely most improved, and he's definitely his name is getting entered in the draft. Unfortunately, um, I know you know Caleb and all the Georgia faithful. They're used to stuff like that. We're not used to that stuff in Knoxville. We aren't. We aren't used to guys leaving early. Right. We know got guys stay in four years. Yeah, they're gonna stay four years, but <laughs> we. Time. Yeah, there goes that. But um, no, we like. I just I wanted to spotlight that for me because we haven't given that man enough credit. He has really stepped up and become a man. He's become a dude. My question is. is well, you know, in, in most of the, I watched the Kentucky, I went back and rewatched the Kentucky game again. You know, like, uh, and watched a couple clips of some other games, and I, I the the plays or some of the biggest plays that he scored on, where he's wide open, it's like, how did he get that open? The two plays that he scored on, I think, it, uh, both of them in Kentuck, the uh, Kentucky game, um. They just ran like a post wheel or a dig wheel concept. Right. He was inside inside slot receiver and ran a wheel to the outside and they were just sitting in like a, a cover uh cover two right. and safety gets lost. And I don't understand how that I'm not knocking Kentucky. Kentucky's defense is, is uh has been great. Not that secondary though. Yeah, not the secondary, but but for Alabama, something that Nick Saban, you know, Nick Saban prides himself on, you know, being a secondary, a, a DB coach. Um, for them to get lost like that, because the same thing happened in the Bama game, post wheel, dig wheel, and he's getting wide open. Like, I don't know how, but he is quick though. I mean, no, you know, I'm not well, just taking away his speed.
3: I will say, I, I will say, against Kentucky, a lot of that was. I think scheme related. He, there, there is a lot of detail that goes into these route concepts and when you know mm-hmm. the coverages and things like that. And it looked like both times we ran like a post wheel. They were they were in like a cover three concept. The corner goes with the post, doesn't see the wheel. Mm-hmm. So you have two guys guarding, uh, you know, Cedric Tillman, and the wheel's wide open. They did that twice. It was wide open. We did it against Bama. And, and Mark Stoops, in his post-game press conference, even mentioned, he didn't say specifically that, but that's what he was talking about. He said, we wrapped one specific thing we knew they were going to do. did it for two weeks. It's really disappointing to see that we came out and, you know. But, I, th- I mean, I get that point against Kentucky, but I thought the Bama game really showed, like, how talented he was. Mm-hmm. Because, that, I mean, there were a few busts. From I just think schematically Tennessee's offense that caused some of his uh, touchdowns, but there were there were a few instances where I just thought he just blew by somebody, mm-hmm. and he you know tough catches blowing by somebody making moves,
0: um, just being an athlete, just, just being just an athlete.
3: athlete. Yeah. 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 Now Kentucky on the other hand that there, there were a lot of busts in that game, but
2: yeah, I'm this is definitely going to be though this week is going to be the biggest test that I mean obviously that he or anyone else on that offense has had so far. So I'm excited to see how they stand up to that test. Uh, that, that's my biggest thing. It's like I, I want to see how he performs because um, he, he just keeps getting better and better each week. How does he How does he handle that, that secondary this week?
0: Uh, we're running low on time, so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go to KTG. I'm going to have you give me about two or three players that you think are going to be a difference maker. And then we're all gonna each give one that we think is gonna be a difference maker on Saturday. Um, Or obviously KTG for for Georgia. All right. Did we come back to you and do do one of us first, and then come back to you, or? I I, I thought y'all. My bad. I thought y'all would pause the uh, recording. (laughs) No. Sorry. I'll go first, and you know, for for. As far as players go, you know, we've talked about Tillman. We've talked about Jalen Hyatt. You know, obviously Hooker is going to be in the uh, Heisman conversation or is in the Heisman conversation. But for me, it's going to be the running back room, in particular small. Uh, How does that running back room do against that Georgia front? And can can he do enough to take pressure off of Hooker to be able to stretch the field like he wants to? So, to me, it's going to be how does the running back, especially small, how can he do – to take the pressure off, can he get four or five yards on the carry, and then be able to Hooker and Hop will be able to set up the pass game off of that. But for me, it's the running game, especially small. How can they? How can he do that? Uh, how, how
3: well can he do? I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: You'll go next,
2: Austin.
3: Yeah. I, so obviously, we're we're gonna not name and Hooker here. Um, not necessarily. For for me. For me, I'm going to say the linebacker group, honestly. Okay. I think that Georgia running game is obviously deadly. Like, it's it's been deadly every single year that Kirby Smart's been there. They're always talented in the backfield. But for me, what, what is interesting, and we're going to see this play out pretty quickly in the game, I feel like, how well do we keep up with that tight end room? Yeah. Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, like, those are some dudes. Like they have three tight ends at Georgia that could start anywhere in the country day one. Hundred percent, and so uh, I'm interested to see because is going to play action the crap out of you. I'm interested to see how well we we keep up, and that might even go with like a strong safety, like a Trevion Flowers. We could throw him in there as well. Mm-hmm. But how well they keep up with that tight end group? Um, two, I'm going to go with Brew McCoy. I think. Mm-hmm. I think sch- schematically, Kirby Smart is a defensive genius. Oh yeah, he's. He's been. He's had his eye on this Tennessee game, I'm sure, for a little bit. Um, he's had an entire two seasons of film to look at the, the schemes that Josh Hopper runs, and obviously Josh Apple's going to do his thing. Like we're st- I think we're still going to put up a lot of yards and a lot of points, but I think they're going to try to take away Hyatt. They're going to try to take away Tillman. So I, th- I really think Abreu McCoy and Rommel Keaton have to step up big time, just as they did against Florida. Um, and then two... Or three, I guess. I would also say the running back room, um, because we're going to have to run the ball. Oh, that's what like I'm saying. That, that path and and there, Luckily for us, last week Georgia lost a really good player that we'll get to, but that pass rush is going to is going to eventually get there, and so I thought if we could run the ball, get some pressure off Hooker. That's going to mean a lot. So absolutely. Um.
2: So. You took mine. I was gonna say Brew McCoy. Um, I think that you know they definitely um, they have an answer for Hyatt, or they attempt to have an answer for Hyatt. Um, like you said, Kirby Smart's a defensive genius, um, and and that's gonna come with being. You know, he, he was the defense coordinator for you know how long at Alabama. Uh, under the the greatest coach in college football,
3: he's just a DB guy.
2: He is. He's just. I mean, he's just a very smart defensive mind. Um, so I think that you know they're going to have uh, schematically they're going to have an answer for for Tillman and for Hyatt. I think Brew McCoy is going to have a big game. I think that um, you know we're going to have to some other targets. I'm gonna even say I'm gonna throw in Fant in there and say that you know we're probably going to implement more play action. And hit maybe hit, hit you know some routes to Fant you know in the second level, um, and then I'm gonna bring back I th- I think not necessarily a player but I think a play that we're gonna see more of I think that they're gonna key on Hinton Hooker. We ran a zone read we were get gi- we were given a dive all game uh, against Kentucky, and late in the game we ran a zone read, and Hooker pulled it for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I don't think, why, why you would run that that late, I don't know. But I think that that was, you know, obviously something just to show on film, show on tape, something they have to plan for. They, I mean, they know that Hooker has legs that so he can he can pull it and he can keep it any time. Um, so I think that uh, the running back room is big in, in that situation uh, because they're keying on, on Hooker. So he, we're going to have a lot more lanes on the zone read, on the give. Um, but... To me, that's my keys, and then defensively, I would say the defensive line because their run game is so fierce, and those tight ends are, you know, they're going to jump out or they're going to get down in the box, and they're going to, you know, um, if we don't get hands on Brock Bowers, exactly, he's going to run open. On absolutely, game. absolutely. Um, so I'm going to say the defensive line. I'm going to say that they they step step up this week. Um, I am I man, I'm I'm very nervous about. Uh, Brock Bowers, Um, that that, that's probably the the offensive. Aside from Bryce Young, I think Brock Bowers is probably the next toughest uh, offensive weapon we've played against all year. Actually, I don't even think that's a question. I think he is. I don't think it's close. uh, I don't think it is close. Um, I still say Bryce Young is the toughest just because of all he can do. Um, He's just so dynamic. But Brock Bowers is. uh, kind of like a mini-Gronk with, with, I think, better speed. I would
3: put Stetson Bennett before I put Brock Bowers, personally, because I think Stetson Bennett is so elusive, and we've shown that an elusive quarterback gives us so many problems because yep. we are so aggressive, and we run so much, man. E.G. Uh, Anthony Richardson in Florida had the game of his life, just getting getting around, you know, eight-gap blitzes and, and running, you know, so – Stetson Bennett scares the crap out of me, personally. <laughs> and it's not because of his arm. He's got a great arm. And I think intelligence-wise, football knowledge-wise, uh, you know, reads, he is so much better than last year, and he was really good last year. But I think his legs, and he, sh- he showed it against Oregon, and that's, that's just a game that comes to mind, but he showed it against Oregon, just how elusive he is. So for me, I think it would be Stetson Bennett one, and then Brock Bowers two just took my one of my players I was just bro, you just took the words out of my mouth about Stetson Bennett. You see the same things I saw on film. Um I wasn't gonna name Brock Bowers and my keys to the game because everybody knows about Brock Bowers. Right. Um I was gonna give y'all some some insights for us. so you took Stetson Bennett out of my mouth so I ain't gonna talk about him. Uh, offensively I'm actually gonna go with the, the key player of the game is Dejon Edwards. Our running back, who's kind of taking that step, kind of emerging as our best all-around running back. He um he went nuts against Florida last week. He's got the best vision on the team. I know a lot of people talk about Kenny Mack being the best, but obviously it's they De- or honestly it's Dejounte Edwards. I think Kenny Mack's got some chances to
1: explode on y'all too, but I'm looking for Dejon Edwards if we because. You know Georgia's going to want in to come in, control the clock, run the ball, and I think Dejon Edwards mm. gives us that best chance of running the game at our tempo. So that's one to look out for. Um, on defense, you know y'all were just talking about Nola Smith being out for the game and possibly out for the year with a pass rush. I don't think that's how we get to Tennessee. Uh, it's just going to be like last year. So you, you, you look back at the Alabama game, Dallas-Turner, and uh, Will Anderson Jr., what did they do? Absolutely nothing. Yep. What did our outside linebackers do against Alabama when they beat us in the SEC title game? Absolutely nothing. You know how you break teams like this? The pass rush of the middle. Jalen Carter, getting Jalen Carter back's probably going to be the key of this game. I think if he can get the uh, push... And instead of coming around for the uh, pressure, you get the pressure straight on into and Hooker. That's where he's going to have issues. So I think Jalen Carter plays a big role in this game, along with Nazir Stackhouse and uh, Walther. So I think our defensive tackles are going to have a lot to say about this game. And then uh, my last one would be Chris Smith, our safety, uh, him and Malachi Starks. I think Chris Smith is going to be the one on the side. Every time y'all run that stat, I think Chris Smith's going to be shadowing it. Chris Smith had the game. He's He's been good. I mean, you know him from uh, the pick six against Clemson last year. Um, he, he had the, probably his best game of his career last week, and he's had some good ones. So um, I think Chris Smith anchoring the back end of that defense is
0: going to be the uh, key. I think he's going to be the signal caller instead of the middle linebacker. Because he's going to be able to see the field the best. Because, I mean, y'all run literally from sideline to sideline. Uh-huh. It's hard for him to linebacker, though. So I think Chris Smith's going to be the man. All right. Uh, anybody got anything
2: else? I think that, uh, what? Uh, as if he had anything else? I, I mean, that.
3: Yeah, I mean, we you could have, get our
0: predictions later.
2: Yeah. But. Do you have anything else to add? I think if we all made great points there, um, I think it's going to be an outstanding game. Oh, yeah. um, but do you have uh, – KTG, do you got anything else to add? I'll give, you the, I'll give you the straight key to the game, which team can stop their run. That, that's the, going to be the one that wins it. Who can stop the run? Not, I don't think y'all are going to have very much success stopping our pass. I don't know how much we're going to be able to stop y'all's pass. I think, it, I think a lot of it is who – well, yeah, the run game because it's who – whoever runs the ball is going to be able to control the tempo.
1: If we're able to run the ball, keep it off the field, that's for us. And if y'all can run the ball, which is going to open up y'all's pass game. Because you know y'all run the ball 57% of the time. I don't know if y'all know that. Yeah, yeah. But that opens up y'all's pass. And uh, I, I've done deep homework for this. But um, <laughs> I, I wanted to give y'all my best. I know it's been a little choppy because of the because of the technical difficulties. But I wanted to give y'all my best insight. So um, you look at it, y'all been in that track meet alabama 59 uh 49 yeah, we haven't been in a trap meet well we've been in a dog well y'all kind of were in a doll fight with pit so i can't really say that but y'all were in a dog fight with pit we've been in a dog fight with missouri which is both both games both teams that's just really embarrassing because Pitt's not good and neither is uh missouri but that's beside the point um so I I guess we we wanted to we wanted to be a twelve round boxing match and y'all just wanted to be on the NASCAR speedway, man. Y'all want it in Bristol, Connecticut going, so
2: we'll see. Our our thing, you talked about uh us running the ball um the majority of the time. Our our passing stats mostly come from the big the big play, the big shot. You know, we talked about before about, you know, how we we scheme guys open with Jalen Hyatt running a, a wheel or, you know, you know we take big shots. That's where the majority of our passing plays have come from. It's not really – you know, we don't really nickel and dime anything. It's, it's mostly big chunks. Um, so, and uh, – but, yeah, so I, I, can, I can agree with what you're saying. I think – I was going to say, you know, the key to the game is going to be um, turnovers, which I think that time possession and turnovers go hand in hand because – Whoever controls, you know, whoever is controlling the time of possession, turnovers are going to be even even bigger uh, because if, you know, if we turn the ball over or vice versa and are able to hold that ball and drain that clock, um, that's going to be vital late in the game. Uh, But, well, that's my thing. You got something else, Austin?
3: Yeah. It just made me think about this. But one thing Tennessee cannot afford to do. Is quickly getting off the field offensively. I don't feel like we've seen them do that since Pittsburgh mm-hmm. first half. Pittsburgh, yeah. Well, and second half. I mean, the entire game against Pittsburgh, honestly. But
2: you're talking about like we we're gonna have to be efficient. We're gonna have yeah. To, we we yeah, can't I got with that
3: tempo. We cannot afford to go three and out. Like no first or second. You know a uh, series in or you know what I'm trying to say. We can't afford to go three and out. Quick three, quick, yeah. Quick three and outs. Putting Georgia back on the field because, like, like he just said, Georgia's going to wear you down physically. Mm-hmm. That's and, the MO. And, and if if our defense is on the field for two quarters of the game, three quarters of the game, I there's I don't see us keeping it within 17, 24 points. I really don't.
2: Yeah, see, that's that's uh, kind of where I'm at. That's me. Like I I feel like you know same thing. If if we can't sustain drives. And produce something. Um, yeah, if our it, defense is on the on the field, you know, the majority of the game, I think eventually the depth or the lack of depth is gonna is gonna show, and we're gonna wear down quick. Um, yeah, so I, I, mean I agree that. with that point for sure.
3: I don't mean that to say we have to score every drive. It just said that it finally made sense as a Tennessee fan. That's the first Tennessee fan. The first
2: Tennessee logic I've heard has been decent all damn week. <laughs> depth. 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 They don't understand. Yeah, 22
1: on 22, 11 on 11 on each side. Y'all are as good as anybody. But y'all ain't got the dogs we got sitting there. Y'all ain't 44, 55 people
2: deep. No, we they know We know that for sure. I asked
1: somebody who said that. See, this is, why, this is why the Gridiron Gurus is a legit podcast. That,
2: <laughs> send it out. You, well, I'm, gonna to, I'm gonna have to clip that, Caleb, and uh, I'm gonna let you be our spokesperson for that. So we're gonna clip that, put that on TikTok, so you can kind of put our brand out there. D- defensively, <laughs> especially. I mean, um, but no, I mean, we, you know, we, we know we don't have the depth. I mean, we have, I, our, our eleven. Well, I don't think we have the depth really anywhere. Um, you know, we
0: outside of receiver. I mean, I would agree with that. Receive, yeah, I mean, I mean we're, we're, rate, we're, we're okay. Rate. I we're, think we have good depth on offense outside if the offensive
3: you,
2: line. I'll tell you where our depth is. It's around the rest of the country. If you look at Oklahoma, Michigan State, um, you know, you start naming up North Carolina, all these players that left under Pruitt, um, I mean, they're they're still playing. They're not having success, but they're still playing. And, you know, that's where our depth is at. But, you know.
3: Yeah, and that's, that's what I'm saying. If I this think, defense is on the field. All game, we don't have the
2: guys. I think that's one thing, like going back to – I know we're, we're short on time, so I'll make this super fast. I think that's one thing that I'm just so most blown away by about this being – about Hopple having this much success in year two mm-hmm. is the fact that we really don't have the, have the depth for him to be 8-0, and he's 8-0. Like, I'm, that's what I'm – as a fan, that's what I'm most blown away he's by.
0: He's 8-0 on one recruiting cycle.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just, you know – and and how how much does that I mean that that's huge for his recruitment. Mm-hmm. You know, I think kids are gonna want to play for that. Play for that, you know, um that energy and that that's you know, that type of offense and just have fun playing football. Um so but anyways that that's all I got though. Um Austin? Nope. KTG you got anything else Dad? add? No, I think
0: we covered it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right guys. That's been this episode of the Gridiron Gurus. Join us again tomorrow as we make our game picks. KTG will be back with us and making these picks. There's the outro. Guys, until next time. Appreciate it.